Hey everyone, this is Chad Harms, the pastor of Creekside Bible Church. Thank you for taking time to listen to my latest sermon, a sermon on the Sermon on the Mount. It will play in just a minute, but before it does, I want to thank you for something and make you aware of something. First, thank you. Our sermon podcast had almost 15,000 listens in the last year. You listened to the sermons I preached this year from France, Spain, the Netherlands, Malaysia, Nigeria, Saudi Arabia, Mongolia, Ukraine, and others. You listened from all over the United States. And if you include older sermons that have gained traction, then you listened from over 50 countries. And this is all just through the podcast. It doesn't include our website, YouTube, or live streaming, which was a big part of what we did last year. I'm amazed at how far my sermons reach, but what amazes me even more is thinking about the people that these numbers represent. I really do marvel at the idea of someone in a country, maybe with little access to biblical preaching, listening to my sermon and it being used by God to change their life. That's amazing. Here's how there can be more lives impacted this year. If you leave a rating and review on whatever podcast site you listen on. I know, I know that that just seems so simple, but it really is how podcasts determine what gets heard. One of my most listened to sermons is on in-laws. It seems that people all over the world are looking for answers on how to deal with their in-laws. And man, I really want people to find those answers through biblical preaching rather than all of the other things that might come up when they search. And so please, 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 please leave us a rating and review if you find these sermons and this podcast helpful. Okay, one more thing. You may have heard me mention this on a prior sermon, but our website recently received an update to its sermon page. We've categorized many of our sermons, and now you can just click a category and see all the series that we've done in those categories. We're going to be adding more categories in the future, but for now, if you're interested in exploring, head over to wilsonville.church slash sermons. One example is that there's a category called Jesus Sermons. If you were to click on that, you'd be taken to like 30 different sermon series on the works, words, and nature of Jesus. If you want to know Jesus better and, and learn to know Jesus better while you're driving to work, for example... I think it could be really helpful to head on to our head over to our sermons page. So to summarize, I appreciate you listening. Please leave a rating and review and check out our new sermons page. Again, thanks for taking time to listen to this sermon. And as always, I hope that it will help you to learn and live more fully for the glory of God. I, I've talked about how this, this pastor of mine was, uh, was a hero to me. And then, and then it turned out that that he really just didn't believe the Bible to be true, and it created this great conflict. And uh, part of that story that I've never told you is, is that, you know, that guy, he really could have, I feel like he had me, you know, uh, looking up to him in such a deep way that, that, that he could have, you know, sold me oceanfront property in Arizona in the middle of a sermon. And, and there was this sermon that, that I heard him preach at a camp, and uh, and, and it was different. Uh, I don't know now looking back, you know, if it was way outside of the norms of scripture, outside of orthodoxy, but it was definitely different feeling. And, and man, I thought it was the most incredible, you know, one of the most incredible things I'd ever heard. And uh, 
And, and years later, I was talking to my cousin who was actually there, and, and, and we were talking about how the kind of the fall of this, this pastor and, and, you know, how it all ended. And, and he said, do you remember that, that sermon? He's like, that sermon seemed so weird to me in that moment. And I was like, wow, because it was so profound to me. He's like, yeah, the whole time I was thinking, this is just strange. Like, you know, not, maybe not wrong, but just, it's just strange what he's out up there talking about. And, and I tell that story because, because you know, for me, it's, it's a reminder that sometimes the, the communication skill of a person slash just, you know, like their charisma, maybe you look up to them, sometimes that can be dangerous because it can lead you to believe that what a person says is true, even, even if what they're saying is not true. I think one of the greatest problems facing American Christianity today is, is that people are woefully ignorant of, about what the Bible says, and because of this, they, we, I'll say we, we can fall into the trap of simply believing whoever happens to teach and preach well. We are not very good at looking through great communication, great uh, eloquency, and actually deciphering whether or not what the person says is true. And so we believe anyone who, who teaches and preaches and interprets and offers God's perspective on or their, you know, a perspective on God's word, as long as they say it well, right? As long as there's a couple rhymes, as long as they get a little bit louder and they don't talk like this the whole time, then we just kind of just say, yeah, that, that must be right. One of the weird things is I was thinking about what Jesus says here in the Sermon on the Mount that we'll look at in a second. One of the, one of the things that's interesting to me is, is I actually think people outside the church are sometimes better at picking up on the the, the, you know, untruths of preaching and teaching in Christian circles than people inside the church are. We get, we get hooked right in because somebody's a great communicator, because they have a big following, because they're well-liked on Twitter or whatever. But people outside the church, I think, are sometimes like, that just doesn't sound right, like what a Christian should be teaching and preaching. And, and one of the ways I, I kind of harped on this, you know, I've harped on this a couple times lately, but, but like this idea that, that if you become a Christian, then your life is going to get magically better. And, and people in the church are like, yeah, he said it. If you believe, you'll receive it rhymed, you know, like, I mean, I was like, yeah. And people outside the church are like, I'm not going to become a Christian for that. I mean, neighbor Bob's life isn't that good. I have more money than him and a nicer car, and he's a Christian, so why would I do that? And, and here's, man, here's what Jesus is getting to the heart of today. He's just saying, you can't believe everything you hear, and let me kind of give you some help on, on how to decipher whether or not you should believe what you hear. One of the scary realities of modern American Christianity is that we, man, you can tell me if you think I'm wrong later, but we almost associate the popularity of a preacher, teacher, prophet, evangelist with the accuracy of what they are saying. Like the more views they have on Instagram, the more right American Christians seem to think that people are. And the less they have, maybe the, the less American Christians seem to think that they're right in what they say. And, and I think this is one of the things that is hurting us as the American church the most. 
And today we're going to look at really how we can spot who is really, who is really offering God's true perspective on life and Christianity and, and primarily the Bible. Um, I think that it's really important for us, and I want to be a church like this, where we, where we actually learn to determine what is true and what is not true based on you know how god sees it and not just whether somebody is popular or says it well or has a great sticky statement you know all of these types of things we must turn our attention to making decisions real decisions about whether or not people are truly offering god's perspective on certain issues and not whether or not you know they sound good or whatever it might be now i'm going to use this word false uh, throughout my sermon today, and really what I mean by it is pseudo, because biblically there's this, this, this idea, and we'll see it in the passage that we look at today, like you have pseudo teachers and pseudo apostles and pseudo prophets, that's the one we'll look at today, and pseudo Christ. Uh, to say false is in some ways to give some credit to what they actually are. A false prophet, uh, which we'll explain, I'll explain that word in a minute, but a false prophet is not a prophet at all, they're just a pseudo-prophet. They're pretending to be a prophet in some ways. And so and with that in mind, here's, here's how it starts. Uh, here's what Jesus says in the middle. Now, for those of you who haven't been around, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' longest recorded sermon, he is moving towards the end, and he is really, he is really just saying, you got to make a choice. You're either on my side or not on my side. And here, he really he talks about how a prophet is either on you know, God's side or they're really not on God's side, and we must make a decision. Last week, we saw that we must make a decision about whether we're going to follow him through the narrow gate or we're going to go through the wide gate, which just leads to destruction. Are we going to be Christians or not Christians? We have to make a decision. There's no half you know, in and half out when it comes to following Jesus. And this week, he's like, a prophet is in or they're out. They're either telling the truth or they're not telling the truth. And here's, here's what he says. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Now, question, what is a prophet? And when you think of a prophet, you most certainly think of somebody who tells the future and that most of the time is not what a prophet is in the bible now there is some future telling that happens with prophets in the bible but most often most of the time when god's prophets speak they're not talking about what's going to happen in the future that might be a part of it but most of the time they are offering god's perspective on what is happening currently most of the time prophets are offering god's perspective on on cultural events that are taking place at the time. And the reality is there's some, there's some you know, major difference between a false prophet, somebody who is offering an untrue godly perspective on what's happening in the world, and a true prophet, somebody who's actually speaking on God's behalf. One is truth. <laughs> they are telling the truth. That one is fairly obvious considering the word false right they must tell the truth we'll come back to that later a second this is really important is the source of information because a false prophet pulls their information from their own minds and hearts and ideas and and i would say often 
uh, a different motivation. We'll talk about that in a second. But a true prophet is always offering a perspective that has come from God. You can read about this in Jeremiah 23, 16, 18, 22. Read Jeremiah 23 if you're really interested in what a false prophet looks like. But, but here's one of the things that, that kind of characterizes the teaching of a false prophet. And it's going to sound familiar because there's a lot of famous ones. Like this amoral optimism. That's biblical. But how true is that in our world today? How often do people offering God's perspective on what we're experiencing just sound like the next self-help book, right? It's this amoral optimism. It's not good or bad. It's just, hey, we're positive. Things are going to work out. Your best life now, I mean, it's all going to work out in the end for you. This is, this, is, this is false teaching and false prophecy. Sometimes things don't get better. We're, we're part of this ministry now. We're going to talk about it at our annual meeting, which is on September 12th and not next week. Um, but uh, I just got this email from this, this guy. We get these emails. It's called CV Outreach. We're we just kind of dipping our toes in this ministry. And, and, and let me explain it to you because most of you don't even know we're doing it. Basically what happens is this, this international organization creates these videos and, and these videos, they use Google grants, they get people onto these videos, they're Christian slanted videos and then they can respond to these videos and then the responses go to local churches and so in the last year I've just, you know, I've responded to probably pushing 40, 50 people that have in their desperate moments, they've, they've just said, you know, they've sent out these forms and, and then there's, you know, chat at the end of them and, I, and I'm responding. And, and one recently, this guy is like, I am, I've had this rough time. I won't give you any details on the rough things that he's been through. And I am so sick of Christians telling me that there's a breakthrough coming, right? Like everything's magically gonna get better. And this guy, it's hurt his faith because he's heard so many people give false perspectives on what he is facing. Like, oh, you're just, it's almost over. And, and they don't know that it's almost over. They're making this up. And most of these people are probably not saying, I'm doing prophecy, but they're offering God's perspective on a situation and they're doing it in a way that is un true and the source of that information is not the bible it's not something that god has told them it's plain and simply an amoral optimism that they heard in some psychobabble sermon at some point on tv somewhere you know like that's what it is and this guy's going it just hasn't proved true and what happens this is the sad reality of false prophecy false perspectives that are supposed to be from god this is the problem is that it hurts people's faith because they believe it came from god and eventually they say well it was wrong and god is either not real or he doesn't care about me or he doesn't tell the truth because they believed that they were actually hearing god's perspective on something when they weren't it just comes from people's ideas and thoughts Side note, you got to be really careful. This happens frequently. If you ever visited a more charismatic church, somebody will come up to you and say, I think God has a word for you from me. That is dangerous. You better be right. And I've had, I've had just so you don't think I dismiss everything like that, in this church's history, there has been a couple of times when people have said things like this to me and they've proved absolutely to be true in the end. 
But if you're the one saying it, be real, real careful that you are not a pseudo-prophet in that moment. You are a true prophet that's actually heard from God and it aligns with Scripture. Now, the final difference or, you know, the final difference I'm going to bring up today between a true and a false prophet is oftentimes motivation, biblically speaking. Listen to Jeremiah 6.13. Same words exactly repeated in Jeremiah 8.10. From the least to the greatest, all are greedy for gain. Prophets and priests alike all practice Deceit. We, we studied this just recently, Romans 16, 18, on false teachers. For such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. I think that all these differences can be summed up in 1 Kings 22, 13 through 14. The messengers who had gone to summon Micah said to him, Look, the other prophets without exception are predicting success for the king. Let your word agree with theirs and speak favorably. But Micah said, as surely as the Lord lives, I can tell him only what the Lord tells me. You see the difference there? I mean, there's this group of people who are just telling the king whatever, you know, gets them in his good graces. And then there's this group of people who are actually trying to tell the truth about what God has revealed to them, specifically this man here, Micah. This is the difference between a false and a true prophet. One offers God's perspective and one kind of makes up God's perspective in order most of the time to have more success and more followers and have people like them maybe to gain a little extra money. False prophets and their danger is a really common theme in the Old Testament and, and one that's alluded to in the New Testament. Listen to Ezekiel 13, 1 through 7. It's a call uh, about, it's, a, it's a statement about prophecy. The word of the Lord came to me. It's, a, it's to a prophet speaking about prophets. That's kind of funny, right? The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel who are now prophesying. Say to those who prophesy out of their own imagination, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to the foolish prophets who follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. Your prophets, Israel, are like jackals among ruins. You have not gone up to the breaches in the wall to repair it for the people of Israel so that it will stand firm in the battle on the, or for the battle on the day of the Lord. Their visions are false and their divinations a lie. Even though the Lord has not said to them or sent them, they say the Lord declares and expect him to fulfill their words. Have you not seen false visions and uttered lying divinations when you say the Lord declares, though I have not spoken? Now we think this is not a big deal. Listen to Deuteronomy 18.20. But a prophet who presumes to speak in my name, anything I have not commanded, or a prophet who speaks in the name of, their, of other gods, is to be put to death. To me, that sounds really harsh, right? But I think God knew the importance of people being right when they were communicating something on his behalf. Because how dangerous is it, dangerous is it for somebody to say, Hey, I, I, I have a word from the Lord for you. God wants you to, to rob a bank. Like, wait, God's, I mean, God, you're a prophet? God's actually telling me to do that? Like, think, now that's an extreme, ridiculous example, right? But how dangerous is it to speak on God's behalf and to not be right? Because what's a person supposed to say? No, 
that puts the average person in a really difficult situation because either they're, they're, they're saying no to God or they're doing something that, that's dangerous, bad, evil. Like that, that is to say God told me to tell you is, is so dangerous for the one listening. It's so dangerous for the one listening. And Jesus says in the latter days that, that there'll be many false prophets. Listen to Matthew 24, 11 and 24. Many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, even if possible, the elect. And the Old Testament is punishable by death. And in the New Testament, is part of the reason that people are going to turn away from following Jesus. This makes it an absolutely huge deal that we learn to decipher when people are telling the truth about being the mouthpiece of God or not. In fact, Jesus says, watch out, which means to turn one's mind to something, to turn your thoughts or your attention to a thing. And I would just ask, are we, are we actually focused in the American church, are you actually focused on paying attention to whether or not what people are saying on God's behalf is true or not? Now, let me just say it this way. Like, I don't come up here and say, hey, thus saith the Lord, and then, you know, spout off whatever I want to spout off. But, but how much are you even considering when I preach a sermon to you whether I'm right or not? Right? You just look and it's like, that's my pastor and he's right. And this, this same mentality goes right down the line so that, you know, somebody shares a YouTube sermon and, and you just believe it without ever thinking about whether it's good or not. And Jesus comes along in the Sermon on the Mount. He's moving towards the end. He's in his conclusion at this point. And he's like, you must watch out for false prophets. You must turn your attention, your mind, your, your thoughts towards determining whether people are right or wrong, whether they are true or false when they present the word of God to you. When they are making a claim to offer God's perspective on a thing. You need to pay attention to whether or not it is true or not. You gotta watch out. Uh, but the problem is they're not that easy to spot. I mean, Jesus says it here. They, they come to you like sheep. What does that mean? I mean, what's the reference to sheep? It's not a political term in the Bible. A, a, a sheep is a Christian. They look like Christians, that's what they look like. They look like fellow Christians. You have other people who come at the church and they attack the church. He's already talked about the, the, the swine in, in the Sermon on the Mount, the pigs, right? They don't look like Christians. They look like people who want to trample on Christianity. But now he's talking about a different group of people. And these people, they look like us. They sound like us. They speak our language. But at the same time, they're dangerous and deceptive. So here's, here's what Jesus says. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them really key, and this is where I think we've messed up most of it. Fruit does not mean following, right? Like fruit does not mean following. That is not what Jesus is saying here. 
You, you don't look at the you know, amount of times on TV. You don't look at the amount of Instagram followers and say, look at all that fruit. They must be telling me the truth. That is not how it works. Telling lies often produces popularity. I'm going to call one person by name in this, uh, this sermon, and, and there's this guy named Benny Hinn, and some of you will remember him, who was, who was wildly popular when I was a kid, mainly because of his success on TBN, Channel 20, for the, those of you younger than my grandma, uh, TBN, uh, the Trinity Broadcasting Network, and this guy, I mean, this wasn't like he had, you know, slightly different teachings that I might disagree with, and that is not what I mean here. This guy literally stood in front of people and said, Next week, Jesus is going to appear on the stage with me. I'm a prophet. Jesus didn't appear on stage with him. This, I, this is verifiably a false prophet. That's one of the ways you can see a false prophet if what they predict doesn't come true. Benny Hinn had a huge following. The fact that I know Benny Hinn's name suggests that he was wildly successful in a worldly sense. A following does not mean Fruit. Michael J. Wilkins, who wrote a commentary in the book of Matthew, says, fruit is the product of a person's, I like this phrase, essential life. We must examine whether a prophet is living a life consistent with all of the things that we've read in the Sermon on the Mount. Are they people who are poor in spirit? Are they people who hunger and thirst for righteousness? Are they people who are living as light, a city on a hill? Are they, uh, are they truth tellers? One of the things in the Sermon on the Mount. Are they, are they trusting God with their lives? We must look at these things. We must examine them through all that Jesus has already said, especially in the Beatitudes, the beginning of Matthew chapter five, go read it. But also the thing that I've talked about in our prayer today, the fruit of the spirit. Is the fruit of the spirit evident in their lives? We must examine a person's essential life. We must examine their spiritual life. This is, this is part of the fruit that Jesus is talking about. Not, not the fruit of being popular, but the fruit of living in a way that is consistent with what God has called them, how God has called them to live. But, but there's, I think there's secondary fruit. John Calvin talked about a second fruit, and I'm gonna steal this from him. He said that a, a second thing would be uh, the truth, uh, the truth of what they are actually saying. We must, hey, listen, this is so important, and this is another part we're just missing. We must examine whether the message is consistent with what we know God has already said. We must examine what a prophet, a teacher, a pastor, an evangelist, we must examine whether or not what they say is consistent with what we know God has already said. And how do we know what God has already said? It's the Bible. It's the Bible. We, we have got to do a better job of examining what people say about God, for God, on God's behalf, through the lens of Scripture. Now, this is what you expect every pastor to say, but this, must, this just absolutely means we have to know what's in the Bible, right? And one of the great American Christian tragedies is that we have, we have more access to the Bible than any people in the history of Christianity, and we read it less. 
It's like it's so easy to access that we just have stopped caring that we can access it anymore. I've illustrated it this way before, but I think it's a pretty good illustration. I've, you know, grown up here in the Willamette Valley. I'm 50 minutes to the beach or whatever, and, and I, don't go to the, I don't go to the coast every year. And, and when I go, you know, you think, man, it's windy. That's kind of my first thought, like I'm cold automatically, right? And I go, hey, it's pretty or whatever, but I take it for granted. Have you ever talked to somebody from Kansas about the first time that they went to the beach, like the coast, like the first time they ever saw the ocean? It's like, wow, you get to go there anytime you ever want to go there. Like amazed that I, that I could just go to the coast. And for me who just grew up here, it's like, yeah, we go every few years if opportunity presents itself. And this is what I think has happened with the Bible. If you go back hundreds of years and you think about people who didn't have the Bible translated in their language, there's still some of those people today. If you think about people who, who died because they were, they were housing Bibles, but it wasn't allowed. If you think about people who, did, who just had to go to a, you know, a Latin mass and, and that was all that they knew of the word of God. Like these people would be like, wait, you can just pick up a little thing that you hold in your pocket and read the Bible I would be reading the Bible every second that I could possibly read it so that I would know it better and understand the God who gave it to us more. It's become so easy to access that we've forgotten how wonderful it is to access. And it is so, it's so, <laughs> it's so clear that one of the problems, we believe anybody with a following, why? Because we don't actually know what God has said. One of the, man, one of the most important things that I think you could, that you can ask yourself when it comes to, to deciding whether I'm telling you something true or not when I preach a sermon is, does that sound like God? Some of you know that I, you know, Satan whispered something in my ear once. I won't go into the details today. And I spent two years battling this thing and, and what somebody very dear to me said was simply that, does that sound like God to you? Does it sound like him? And I could say no because I've read the Bible. You know, I've read it a lot. And I could just say no. Like, it doesn't sound like God. And I relied on that for years. Like, where, where I fought against this very dark thing that Satan whispered in my ear. And I only knew it was Satan. Not because it didn't feel. Like, I was in the middle of a godly moment when it was whispered in my ear. And the only thing I could rely on is that doesn't sound like the God that I know from Scripture. There's so many reasons to read the Bible, but one of them is that it helps you decipher whether or not people that teach the Bible, that preach, that evangelize, whether or not they are telling the truth. If you're actually going to turn your attention towards determining the truth of the things that you hear when somebody gets up and says, I'm going to preach to you from the Word of God today, I'm going to tell you something that God wants me to tell you, it is that you have to know the Bible. John, 1 John 4, 1 through 3 says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone into the world. This is how you recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. I want to add a third fruit. I alluded to it earlier, but, but I would say that the third fruit is the goal of the prophet. The goal of the prophet. William Barclay says, uh, the, the, true shepherd, the true shepherd cares for the flock more than he cares for his life. 
The wolf cares for nothing but to satisfy his own gluttony and his own greed. The false prophet is in the business of teaching not for what he can give to others, but for what he can get to himself. If you like everything that a Christian communicator tells you, if you like everything that a person says to you, be really leery of it. If I never preach a sermon that you go, I really hate that he said that this morning, then be leery of me. Like if, if you follow preachers, prophets, evangelists, Christian teachers on YouTube, and you like everything they, you, that they say, it just always feels good. It's always like, sweet, that's the thing I want to subscribe to. Be really leery about whether or not they're telling you the truth or not. Because I, I promise, as a person who communicates on behalf of God, that it is a lot more fun and a lot more easy and advantageous for me just to just tell you what you like to hear all the time. Like, that profits me. But when I move away from that and say things that you, you go, I don't really, that's hard, you know? Like, that's difficult. That doesn't fit with culture. That's not just like every other thing that I hear when I turn on the news or whatever. That's not so popular, right? Like, that's not good for me. That's not good for the brand, you know? Like, that, that's difficult. So be really leery of people who seemingly are just telling you what you already want to hear, tickling your ears, as it says in the Bible. You can recognize a false teacher in their motivation because they teach for gain, this is William Barclay again. They teach for gain, they teach for prestige, or they teach to transmit their own kind of preconceived ideas. I would just say that there's this other thing in that, that, that Jesus said that he lived only for the glory of his Father. And, and I would say that a true prophet will only seek the same thing, the glory of God, even if it costs them everything. And frankly, a lot of the prophets in the Bible, the ones in the Old Testament, it costs them pretty much everything. Like they're living in wells and stuff because, because the world hated what they had to say so much. Deuteronomy 13, one through four says, if a prophet or one who foretells by dreams appears among you and announces to you a sign or a wonder, and if the sign or wonder spoken of takes place and the prophet says, let us follow other gods, gods you have not known, and let us worship them. You must not listen to the words of the prophet or the dreamer. The Lord your God is testing you to find out whether you love him with all your heart and with all your soul. It is the Lord your God who you must follow, and him you must serve. Keep his commands and obey him. Serve him and hold fast to him. Did you notice that? He says, like, look, even if a prophet comes and says, Jesus is going to appear on stage with me, well, that'd be a little far. There's going to be a magical orange that shows up here in the next five minutes, and it does and then he says, you know what? Don't live the way that God's called you to live. Even if that happens and it looks so miraculous, don't listen to him. Keep serving the God that you have known. Keep doing what God has called you to do in the Bible, even if it seems like their ministry is so miraculous. That's a big teaching, right? Because if somebody foretold the future, they said, here's what's going to happen, and it happened, it would be really hard to say, yeah, but I'm still not going to listen to what you're calling me to do. But that's the call of Deuteronomy 13, 1 through 4, and I think that would be the same call from Jesus. A final fruit, I would add one more, is, is like, where does it lead people? Like, does, 
the perspective that these people, the, the, the people you're listening to, does it, does it lead to like a deepening relationship with God or does it lead to people just looking like everybody else? Paul says that the people he's ministered to, they are his fruit. He describes them that way. And I, and I wonder like, I mean, it can't be true that if, that if a person is offering God's perspective and the people hearing them and listening to them all the time are moving further away from what God would have for them according to the Bible, and if they're, they look just like everybody else, then, then they're, not, they're not probably a, a true prophet. They're probably a pseudo-prophet. I mean, we, man, we have got to watch out for these things. It is an epidemic in our Christian culture today that we just believe whatever sounds good. I'll tell you, the greatest preaching I think of all time is happening right now, and you have more access to it than ever before. I mean, we, it's, it's amazing all the, all the good preaching that we can find, but it's also amazing in how much bad teaching you can find, untrue teaching, I should say. And Jesus here says, watch out for it. Pay attention to it. Learn to decipher it. The message of the Sermon on the Mount says, so beware, Jesus warns. We must be on our guard, pray for discernment, use our critical faculties, and never relax our vigilance. We must not be dazzled by a person's outward clothing, his charm, learning, doctorates, and ecclesiastical honors. We must look beneath the appearance to the reality. We must watch out for false teachers and prophets and preachers and Christ. We must. I mean, if the church in America is going to grow strong again, then we must learn to decipher whether what people are saying is true or false. And we must look through the nice clothes, the cool clothes, the Justin Bieber clothes. We must look through it all and we must determine whether or not what people are saying is true according to to what we know of God already or not. We must turn our attention to making decisions about whether people offering God's perspective are telling the truth or not. Let me pray that we will at least be a church that does that. Lord Jesus, I mean, I don't know if I communicated this well, God, but, but I feel pretty passionate about it, Lord. I, I don't know if there's always been this much false... Um, I don't know, soft, unbiblical teaching. If there's always been that in, in the Christian church, I know it's always been there. I don't know if it's you know more now or we just have more access to it. Uh, like if the Instagram, social media, YouTube world that we live in is just put it in front of all of us Christians. But either way, God, it's you know it's a hard time to pastor, and it's a hard time to just be a Christian because people are so eloquent. People speak in, in such powerful, profound ways and offer the wrong perspective, God, so frequently. But I pray that this church, God, would be a bearer of truth, God, that we would be a church that rightly determines, God, whether things are in line with what you have said or not. I pray that we would not just take the easy way out when it comes to your perspective, God, but we would actually hold to your perspective, Lord. I pray that I would be a pastor who teaches your word even, who teaches your word 
truthfully, even when it is not popular, God, even when it is, you know, makes people mad, Lord. But I also pray that the people sitting in front of me, those who are watching online, that if I ever step outside of what is true, that they would be so quick to just say, no, that's not real. And they would call me on it lovingly, gently, hopefully, God, but they would call me on it. Let us be a church of truth, God. And I pray in this nation that, that your Christians would once again read your word, know your word, be moved by your word, God. Just saturate themselves in your word, God in part so that they would know, God, when people aren't truly speaking your word. Help us to know your voice. Let us, God, understand what you sound like so that when pastors, preachers, prophets, apostles, evangelists don't sound like you, we'll know that they're not really those things, Lord. Help us, God, in this country to believe truth. You are a God of truth, and, and yet, God, we've become a church of, of untruth. Lead us to repentance. Lead us back to your hearts, Lord. I pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.